When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> the idea of someone trying to set up a game. <laughs> someone else just like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> wow, that's God. I know, I'm trying to help. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're too it, far down that hole. I, I can't pull you up. I can't reach you. Uh. You've just had... How are you... How is a bird holding? I'm big. With, yeah, a griffin. Uh, so probably in talons. You know, I'll leave that to Johnny's description. Johnny, how is... How are you holding Gable? <laughs> how? I think the way that I've lifted you up is... Because, you know, hummingbirds got them long beaks. Mm-hmm. So I think I used it to kind of scoop up your belt, your belt loop or something. <laughs> so you're like <laughs> dangling down. Flying around you are uh, Ferdinand and Metatron, who came to join you in a battle against the Morning Star. Uh, A battle Mm. that it took nearly everything in you and Gable and assistance from Metatron and Ferdinand. But it is a battle that you won. I guess also there was assistance from the power of the Forest Queen to expel this interloper from her forest. But now that battle is won, you are in a precarious situation. You can see in the distance the red glow of the Uhuru's sails. Uh, It has not fully risen above the tree line, but like you can see the canopy peeking above the tree line. And you are this big hummingbird. You are carrying this incredibly heavy person. And you are right now banking on the fact that. The sky does not belong to the Forest Queen. So long as you are in the sky, you are guaranteed some freedom from her influence. And Travis has a decision to make, and it is a heavy one. I drop Gable. (laughs) So that's the thing. You do have the option to drop Gable right now. To, you know, hope that Gable has some other way to make it to the ship. Right now, you're pretty sure that you could probably carry Gable to the ship. If you did that, you know, maybe you'd be able to rendezvous with the ship. The problem is, if you carry Gable there, Gable is still going to be beat to hell, completely injured, with nothing left to give. That's a dangerous position to be in anyway. And like, right now... Probably if Gable got some medical attention of some kind, they would pull through. However, that's going to take time. So that's option one. You rendezvous with the ship, hope that there's some treatment, but Gable is going to be like knocked out pretty hard. Option two is drop Gable, uh, maybe with Metatron or on the forest floor and get the hell out of Dodge. There is a chance that you, as a hummingbird, with the energy that you have left, might be able to make it out of the forest completely. 
you know, or maybe there's a way to communicate with Ferdinand right now um, to have him carry you out. If you were to leave Gable behind and abandon them completely, there's probably a way out of the forest, which gets you out of some of the trouble that you're in. Option three, you could head in another direction, deeper into the forest, closer to the queen's domain, where there is the fruit of panacea. It is a fruit that you are aware of as someone who has lived in the forest, lived as the changeling. You were kind of the prince of the forest for a while, which means you know many of the queen's secrets. And beyond that, you're even then uh, William or Travis Madigo, the man that you are. You worked hard to know as many of the queen's secrets as possible. There is a fruit in the forest that that you know if someone eats of it, they will be restored physically. So you could carry Gable struggling to get there. It would be too tangled. The griffins would not be able to come with you. You would have to send them off to do another thing. Give Gable the fruit. You know, it wouldn't be too long to get back to the ship if you were to go there, but you would face extra danger. (sighs) I think were I in my body, I would probably do a, a reading to see to help me decide yeah that oh that's that's from you just can't do a reading because you've got no arms and well <laughs> and if I, I you know i don't i assume the captain doesn't have cards in the in you didn't uh, check his pockets so you true. don't you don't rightly know um can i propose a modified option three? Ooh, love that i leave gable with one of the birds and basically, they just kind of like circle overhead there so I can try and get the fruit and bring it back up to them. And then we can all kind of go back to the Uhuru together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like that very much. So first, I, I just want to know, how does Travis communicate his need to these birds? Like, I can't imagine that this is the first time as an animal, Travis has tried to communicate with other animals. And I just want to see, like, you are relying on skills that you probably built up a very long time ago mm. as the changeling that you are using now for the first time in quite a while. It's like how Kronk talks to squirrels. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a point of reference that we all understand. Oh, that I mean, that's like one of the best, best of the best. <laughs> well, do, do they? I think that it's a combination because they understand at least some human words. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of like me giving them human instructions and then using. Um, there's probably like bird body language that I can. Uh, you know, uh, signal like, hey, keep Gable safe. I'll be back. Um, you know, I hold one wing up and then tap my other wing onto it, uh, indicating a wristwatch, saying I'll be back. But then but then also, if if something goes sideways, like get Gable out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think like you do this and there is this, like there's some you know, verbal instruction is he's always been able to talk as an animal, no matter what uh, you explaining what you need. And then there is this more primal animalistic form of communication that is done through gestures and like urgent looks and whatnot. And you, I, I think Metatron like sails beneath uh, to catch Gable as you drop them and you feel like the weight of Gable lead you. <laughs> and you feel, Travis, tired. You did some really impressive flying. And on top of that, you carried Gable for you know a, a portion of this time. You can feel things wearing in, especially the body of a hummingbird. It takes so much energy just to be alive, and you've done so much on top of that. Uh, You can feel yourself starting to wane and tremble. I would like to cut back to the time when you stole your Ocus from the Forest Queen. 
liberating yourself from this place so long ago. I have drawn a luminary for us to get some information about this. Uh, and it is the boat, which is freedom, opportunity, and labor. I want to know how did you steal your Ocus? When did you steal your Ocus? What was that moment like? Have we gone into this at all? Ever. Interesting. I think I probably built up a relationship with one or two uh, animals, actual animals, that I sort of used as like inside informants Mm -hmm. um, to find out. Because I imagine the queen has some sort of like either trophy room or trophy case somewhere where she displays things like this that she has from maybe past changelings. Like, you know, I didn't know that there were other changelings before like me. So kind of like. Yeah. Nathan, uh, can you give me like what does the forest queen's trophy case look like? How does she display trinkets and trophies? Oh, gosh. I think it's a very placid-looking lake. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, it's the stillest water you've ever seen. And then you look down into the water, and it's deeper than the pond that you would expect. You don't see koi, but instead lines and lines of perfectly arranged, possibly posed as tableaus in suspended animation Mm. underwater. I, I think there are algaes and mosses uh, beneath the water that, like, are color complements mm. to the various trophies that she has kept. And it is, like, water that is so clear that it is, like, it makes them look brighter than they would look in the air out of the water. Um, something about how it bends the light. So I, th- I think we honestly do almost like, a, you know, I get this information... And I, I think I want to sort of show interest to the queen and say, like, you know, I would love, I would love to learn more about your whole deal. Um, you know, as a faithful servant, I think it it makes sense that I should understand a little more about how I and the creatures in the forest serve you. Interesting. Yeah, I. This is a fascinating turn. This must be, is this before or after Margaret's passing? Would have to be after. So this must be one of the first things that you approached her with in a long time. Mm -hmm. There must have been a long period of silence between the two of you. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, look, I, I understand the deal now. It is what it is. So I might as well make the most of it for me and for you. Yeah. I also want to do this during the season where I would be the animal that's the best swimmer, which I guess is snake. snake? <laughs> <laughs> None of it's good, huh? No. Well, doggy paddles. Yeah. Or coyote. I mean, so I, I like here the the thing <clears throat> about uh the queen is that in her forest, it is always summer. That's like one mm. of the things about her. Um, however, like I, I think, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So I think when she has people over that she wants to impress, maybe other luminaries, maybe whatever, there is a way to sort of raise the things out of the water so that there's still like. You know, that they're displayed there, but if she wants to be like, and look at this, she can like raise it up so that it like water shoots shoots up and it's yeah. kind of like a fountain. So they they can be raised. Um, but maybe it has to do with some of her magic. So but I I want to, instead of swimming like a snake, I want to try and maybe l- learn that magic um or get or, or maybe like an animal or something else in the forest helps her do that. So I want to kind of befriend whoever helps her so that I could yeah. sometime when she's not there, um, swap it for a fake, you know, you got to okay, so swap there's, it for a there's fake. There's an animal that 
is the guardian of mm. these trinkets, that has been set to be the guardian of these trinkets. Um, and I do think like the first part of your plan is critical to this whole event going down. The forest queen, like you approach the forest queen after, you know, maybe years mm-hmm. of silence between the two of you, basically saying, if I'm going to be alive, I want to know how this place works mm-hmm. and I want to I, I I I want to learn and you know I'm loyal to you now. And the Forest Queen I think doubts this sure. very much. So you gotta play the long game, baby. So what she does is set you to trials that are meant to test your loyalty and your belief in mm. her. And ages ago, Johnny, ages ago there was a flashback uh, that I had you do to the forest where you remembered being a rabbit running from a predator. Um, Yeah, I remember that. That was a part of this trial. You had to live the life of the forest. She made you do like unspeakable things and did unspeakable things to you. Like she made you live out like the death of a prey animal Mm. in the forest. She made you then like eat as a predator in the forest, like put you through these trials that were so like to most people would psychologically break them entirely. Um, Not me. I think, well, you were psychologically broken in a way anyway. (laughs) And I, I think like the thing that allowed you to endure past them is like your spite. Um, Mm. And so you went through these trials and all the while you were also secretly trying to learn from the animals around her. And I think you discovered that she doesn't even know and you don't know that she doesn't know. As the changeling, you are able to communicate with Mm. these animals. Tyler, question for you. Hello. What animal is the guardian of the queen's trophies? Hmm. I feel like it's an aquatic creature, but blue whale on land. (laughs) Fun, fun. Blue whale feet. (laughs) Just feet. Hello. (laughs) It's like, it feels like, wait, I I don't know if this is a saltwater or a freshwater animal, but my my immediate first thought is like one of those uh, turtles with like a snake neck. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like a snapping turtle. Well, so there are turtles that mm. have like a long neck that looks like mm-hmm. the body of a snake, but it's Dang. coming out of a turtle. They're very silly looking creatures. They're very... What if? Go ahead. What if like the turtle is like the guardian, mm-hmm. but each you know down in the water, sort of each one is like on a turtle shell. So oh, then the turtle shell sick. raises for for display. Good. Oh, I think yeah, I think the snake neck turtle is the guardian. But each thing is held in the mouth of a snapping turtle. Mm. Oh, that's Ooh. so cool. And the turtles have all the colored algae and stuff on their shells yeah. to like complement the wow. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Art. So you befriend like we see the long process of like befriending the guardian of the turtles. And then like the process of that guardian showing you which snapping turtle has your ochus. And then the process of Travis, like befriending that one as Mm. well. And what does it all come down to in the end? I think Travis, it's a game of Illimat. Against the turtles against the turtles. So good. I think you have to wait like it's friendly games you're playing all these friendly games of Illimat and then one night when they have been won over with stories and drink you bet hey give me my Ocus and you of course win that in hand and the rest is history I think I want to put a fake one there mm-hmm. so that it to buy myself some time Travis. So the turtles know, but the queen doesn't. Oh man, yeah, the turtles keep quiet. <laughs> nice. We're buds. Yeah. yeah, or that could be part of the conditions of the bet. Travis, this is fascinating. I think there's no way you could make a pretend ocus, but you could substitute one ocus for another. 
So I think you have to leave another part of yourself in the forest as this Ocus in order to claim uh, your freedom. And the question is, what do you leave? Yeah, he only has one. Just only one kidney. That's fun. <laughs> it's um, a little secret tidbit. This whole time, he's only had one kidney. Okay, it's one kidney representation. If this is like too kind of melodramatic or whatever, mm-hmm. did Margaret have an ocus? <sighs> yeah. Okay. She did. Um, and Travis, that ocus. You exchanged with Margaret in the That's, river. Yeah. That is your wedding band. That I so I think I think like holding on to that was sort of the spite that helped keep me alive. Just remembering that. So I want to leave that in the turtle's mouth mm. and swap it for mine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is there's so much deliciousness with this. So what this is. The ocus that Margaret left to you, like as you pledged your wedding vows in the swelling riverbanks, there is this beautiful, twisted, almost like Celtic knot design of silver. And over the many years that you spent in the Forest Queen's service after her death, you interlaced and wove that with a black metal that represents your spite for the queen. Mm. That is what kept you alive, this beautiful interwoven piece together, which means we've discovered something really fascinating, Travis. Your love for each other was kind of represented in this ocus. And one of the reasons that Travis may have been dragging his feet or uncertain that that love might still exist is it's a he made it into an object they physically removed it from its, uh, themselves and now it sits in a turtle's mouth so all of this doubt Travis's fear of opening and reading this letter could be centered around the fact that like how can a love exist if I've already sent it away so that I could be free Whew. Mm-hmm. I like this. So, Travis, like, give me the montage of the heist. And, well, I think the queen is maybe out doing queen stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's at a party. I, you know, the, I bet the luminaries hang out. They throw crazy parties. There have got to be some luminary parties. Um, so I think there's one of these nights where I'm getting the turtles drunk. You know, we're playing Illimat. I. And pretending to be a little more drunk than I am, mm-hmm. I'm like, "Come on, you've won the you've won the last thirty or forty matches. Uh-huh. Let's just make this one a little interesting." We do, of course. You know, turtles I'm, can't turn down a bet. If anybody's ever no. gambled against the turtle, mm-hmm. you know, I win handily. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Look, I know you can't. I know you can't just." spit it out and we're done the queen would know it'll it'll blow up your whole spot I have something that I could give you in return another ocus the turtles like exchange a look and you know turtles are noble creatures creatures that live by their word they lost fair and square even though they know this is a dangerous thing that they have agreed to They have to honor their accord. And so the snapping turtle opens its mouth, displaying to you your ocus, the ocus representing your freedom, which of course has been woven into a design that resembles the queen's crown. And it sits on, (laughs) like, it's like a ring, and it sits on that little tongue that Mm. snapping turtles have to lure in their prey. You know it. (laughs) But, you know, around the turtle's flesh, like, it it looks bright and beautiful in the full moonlight. And I think we see Travis grab it. And I, I as I'm, like, replacing it with the ring, I want to say, um, Margaret, you have my word that this is the last time I'll leave you behind. And... 
Travis makes his way through the night and out of the forest by the time the queen's full moon has set and the sun has risen. Travis is not yet Travis Matigo. He is still William, but he is ready to become a new man. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll! I want to thank everyone who came out for the live show that I did at Emerald City Comic Con last weekend. I'm recording this before I actually do the show at Emerald City Comic Con, but I'm assuming that everybody that I met at both the show and the fan meetup afterwards was a delight! Now, if you missed me at Emerald City, don't worry, I have plenty of other live appearances coming up. I'm going to be doing the Level Eater 13 charity role-playing event on March 16th. I'll be GMing a VIP table, and you can buy tickets for that right now over at leveleader.com. March 31st through April 2nd, I will be at C2E2 in Chicago. Then May 24th through 26th, I'll be at ACD Games Day in Madison, Wisconsin. And August 3rd through 6th, I will be at Gen Con in Indianapolis, and we will be doing a Skyjacks live show. If you're coming out to see me for any of these events, remember to keep up to date with your vaccines and wear a mask. I know things are pretty intense this arc. Uh, I have actually no idea how intense they are right now because I haven't listened to this week's episode yet, obviously, because I'm recording this from the past. Just remember, as the drama increases, we have lots of cool and exciting things coming up, like our preview of the Sky Joust miniseries that is going to bridge the end of this arc into our next arc of the show. Now, if you'd like to support any of these super cool productions, you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast. There, you can sign up to give us a small amount of money each month, which we use to produce these incredible shows. And with more support, we can afford to do a whole lot more exciting stuff like this miniseries. And remember, if you can't support us financially, the next best thing to do is tell someone else about this show. That could be directly sending a friend over to our new feed designed to help new listeners catch up, which is simply called Skyjacks. Or it could be posting about how exciting episodes are on social media, whether that's just gushing about what you're hearing, posting some fan art, or even some fan fiction. We appreciate all of it. Now, before we get back to the episode, a quick word from our sponsor. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. We cut back to the present, where Travis has navigated himself as a hummingbird deep into the forest, near the Queen's Glade, to the parts of the forest where the branches and vines grow so thick that light cannot penetrate the canopy, where there are mosses so delicate that light touching them would bruise them. This is where the fruit is kept. And held. It is a thing that the queen grows purely for vanity, a thing that she never expects to be plucked. I think a fruit that <clears throat> takes a hundred years to ripen. I would like each of you to give me one little detail about the panacea fruit. Mm. Oh, I, I think that, you know, you said it takes like a hundred years to ripen. I feel like it's like, um, like a corpse flower how they like you know i think it would it'll ripen and maybe it's ripe for you know a month or or whatever a short period of time Mm -hmm. and then it withers and dies and a new one takes a hundred years to grow yeah i love that i think it is improbably a tropical fruit because the queen's forest is very like Decisions? That's what I, I was going to say, too. I feel Man. like they're a mix of forests. Like, I think the queen can have a rainforest if she wants. Sure. But, like, I I like that a lot of what we have seen, especially from this queen, has been deciduous. Yeah. So, yeah. But I love it being a tropical fruit. That's just, great. like, colorful and probably very meaty on the inside. Mm. My, I guess I'm over here 
trying to get an idea. This is only from uh, an experience that I've had recently with some very smelly fruit. But Ooh. like, I feel like there is like it has a very pungent like odor. But it's like it's own for what it, like if it's left intact, fully sealed, like. You, it like it has no odor. It's just like when it finally ripens, or like you break the seal, or or like you open it up. It has a almost overwhelming like uh, scent. What's the smelly fruit in real life that you just ate? Guava. Oh. Guava. Could you oh, smell really? Like guava. You've never had guava before. Oh, I've. Uh, I well, I am new to guava, but I'm also much more new to like. The scent of guava just in my kitchen or in my partner's kitchen. <laughs> I've had guava in like a pastry, like a pastelito, mm-hmm. but that's like cooked into like a, a puree or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've ever had fresh, had fresh guava. guava. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's a. Uh... So good. Uh, I was I was going to be like, oh no, you've had durian. I'm sorry, but guava is considerably <laughs> better. Um, uh, mm, I think the. Uh, the surface of the fruit has like an oil black sheen to it and it is actually oily and that's what's kind of preventing the scent from the inside getting out it's kind of like self-sealing in that kind of way cool yeah so travis like as the hummingbird uh, you are really flagging at this point like it took a lot of effort to reach here but you are here in front of the this plant uh which has you know its own folktale attached to it i am sure um and in front of the oil black fruit which is said to be able to restore someone from any injury and i think there is a part of you that just maybe feels a bit of a bitter laugh of of course in this moment right here right now this fruit is ripe and ready to be picked as the luminaries have maybe guided you to this point exactly is it is it a size such that it would be easy for me to carry yeah i think however th- there's a real question of whether you as the hummingbird have the strength within you to fly back now here's i'm of two minds here mm-hmm I could either turn back into the captain and just run mm-hmm. or I could really lean into the handcock of it all. <laughs> I eat half of the fruit to make myself strong enough to carry the other half to Gable. I will say this fruit does have within it the ability to heal two people. I do like that idea. So that is fully decided. You can decide how you want to distribute that. You know, we know metatextually Gable is one of them because Liz spent all of it, left it all on the field, as it were, in the zero, last encounter. <laughs> zero strings, zero wounds. Um, are but let's do, let's do another meta check-in. How's everyone else doing? Oh, like... Uh... Jonnet and I guess the captain in Travis's body, how much uh, wounds and strain do you have? Oh, Lord. Uh, yes. Uh, pretty, pretty re. Uh, I guess this is uh, looking at this in terms of filling rather than draining. I am almost maxed out in terms of taking strain damage. Uh, okay. I haven't, ta- haven't taken that much wound damage, but if, any, if either of them hit zero, I fall out of my body. So. Is that something that I could sense? Uh, no, okay. this is information for Johnny. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, so. yeah, but I, I meant like, you know, what I would would Travis with whatever connection oh, be able to tell? Perhaps, like, perhaps. Hey, Captain, ain't doing so, especially since it's strain and not physical damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spiritually, your body's effed, mate. <laughs> Don't I know it? <laughs> Um, curious, curious. Maybe then I will take it. I will give half to Gable. I will turn into the captain to leave. And then we have this other half and we can see like, okay, who? once we're all together, does someone need it more than me? Or 
Will I return the captain's body in better shape than I found it? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that, that, I guess that's the question. Do you, do you transform? Uh, yes, I will transform. So, yeah, you transform kind of with the knowledge that captain's body is dead and can move, like, very quickly, very powerfully, make its way through the forest without much trouble, and you transform. And very suddenly, halfway through your transformation, when it is too late to stop, realize the oversight and perhaps flaw within your plan. As you transform into the captain, open the captain's mouth and take a breath with the captain's lungs and feel the air rush into your body. As Oromar Vale, in this transformation, has been reborn and is no longer oh! a dead man. Oh! That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Let's cut over to Jonnet and the captain. Mamma So, when we last left you, you were Thank in you. the Queen's Glade. The mm -hmm. captain That's had right. met with the queen to mm -hmm. broker a deal. Mm -hmm. And Jonnet and Oromar, or Jonnet had uh, had a conversation with Hip. Mm -hmm. And I believe we left you with some indication of which direction to go for the ship. Mm -hmm. The deal being brokered with the forest queen is that um, she would, you know, uh, return the people of the uh, Uhuru back to the ship safely for they are innocent in this matter in exchange for uh, making attempt on Travis's life um, <laughs> which Oromar was like hey I have to look after my crew <laughs> um, but hey who knows if there's ulterior motives occurring in the proceedings you were, were you were given an indication of where the ship was, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was the same thing where you saw kind of rising above the tree canopy, like mm. very top of the Uhuru's uh, envelope. Yeah. Carlos managed to get to the furnaces, kick stuff into gear. And uh, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, with a, with a kind of like a conversation with the... Did the Forest Queen kind of depart the glade or is uh, she still chilling? That's an interesting question. I mean, she is everywhere within this space, but has she decided to stop physically manifesting in the courtroom? Yeah, I think... I think, like, she is seated up upon her throne, um, like, overlooking the two of you in her domain. If you have all that you need, all that you request of me, then you may go. That we do, ma'am. Uh, enjoy your forest of eternity, and I'll make sure that my crew are still intact. Something tells me I will be seeing you again. Both of you. I'm sure you'll definitely be seeing this form of me, ma'am. Says... <laughs> the body of Travis Matago. Um <laughs> and through gritted teeth, Jonathan says, and I look forward to it. <laughs> Jonat Kessler, hip, and let us depart. Yeah, hip's there. What? Yeah. Hip there. Oromar can see that hip hip nods like gruffly and suspiciously, having not been privy to whatever conversation took place. And you depart. So uh what is it you, what kind of deal do you strike with the queen? Nothing that would put you in harm's way, Hip. Just making sure that um, the crew of the Uhuru will make their way back safely. Yeah, well, I've heard plenty of stories about Oromar Vale, and even though some of them I happen to believe didn't pan out exactly, let's say... Trust is thin over here. If you've ever heard the story of Captain Armar Vale putting his uh, crew's life on the line, then you have been told a lie. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I do realize that this maybe give you a degree of apprehension, Hip. Travis Matico smiles. Since you're not 
a member of the crew, but depending on circumstances... Oh, you can stuff that offer wherever you wouldn't want to stuff it. <laughs> uh, it's not my body to make a decision of where to go stuff that <laughs> John, John has been in front of this and only hearing half of it, and he just turns, what are y'all talking What? What? <laughs> I think just just picking up half of that, uh, he's good on his word. You can't trust that. Mm. You move through the forest, and I believe you can move through it without much trouble mm. um, or difficulty. Like the the queen has a deal; she has paved her way. Um, you can feel kind of the weight of that deal, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it is a present force, but with that, with establishing where your group is, I'm going to cut back one last time to the past mm-hmm. of the crew of the Uhuru ship and the interior of the ship. Now that you have your answer, now that you know what is going on, waking up the rest of the crew. However, as you are like frantically everybody who has been you know brought back to waking like moves through the ship finding as many people as they can and kissing them uh to wake them up there is growling and scraping on the exterior of the ship as the beasts of the forest are trying to invade Mm. You know, pouring through windows like uh, things like wolves and coyotes will leap in and the crew has to fight against them. I have two roles that uh, I need to be made and you can commit your crew however you would like. The first role is going to be how quickly can this crew wake itself up? You know, there's like a bit of an exponential returns on like everybody who wakes up will be able to wake up more people and whatnot. But I'm going to say that this is a hard check because you have to find them. You do have to cut them free of vines because if they're not cut free of their vines, they'll wake up and they'll just be trapped. So that is a time consuming thing. Who amongst your main party uh, is going to commit themselves to waking people up. And the next role will be who is fighting the like current assault of forest creatures. I will say that vines are hog-like. You're right. So I feel like Jerry should be the one to start freeing people. Okay. Okay. Um, so we've got Jerry on team free people. Is there anyone else joining Jerry? I think, yeah, I think when it comes to, yeah, uh, Toku is also team free people. Okay. Toku's a good kisser. Uh, mm-hmm. so we're going to have Toku on team mm-hmm. free people. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Carlos. And I suppose Liz, you will be acting as Jane okay. for right now. Pliff and Jane play like ice climbers in Smash Bros. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely they do. Uh, Jane will be fighting, most mm-hmm. likely. Yeah, Jane, Jane is fighting and Carlos. I think Carlos would also be fighting then. Okay, okay. So right now, the check that you have to wake everyone up, I think, is daunting. Mm. Is that a, a four. four? That's four. No reds? Okay. That's four. However, you have... Two people committed to it. So this is one green, two yellow, um, and one blue die as Jerk Off Jerry working with vines. It's like a hog, so he's got an advantage <laughs> to it. <laughs> God, that's, that's great. I'm so glad he got this character development at this point in the narrative. I will, between between the, the, the compass and the... Uh, Fallomancy, he's mm-hmm. yeah, kind of a real power player yeah. now. Um, that is one, two failures, two failures, and one threat. All Oops. right, he just starts jerking off all of the vines instead of cutting them. <laughs> pull, pull away, let go. Yeah. All right, okay, so that's one at least, and. That one, that one you're going to get away with. So I rolled my second roll, a 96, which means though 
Like there are animals and whatnot crashing into the ship, trying to interfere. Nobody gets hurt. However, the first one that I rolled was a 36, which means the first character committed to the action is the one who takes the hit. And that is jerk off Jerry. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Statistically improbable. Statistically improbable. But I mean, the way this chart, actually very statistically improbable, but because uh, Carlos was between 41 and 50. Mm. Um, Jerk off Jerry is between 33 and 40 Mm. as the first character to commit has a lower risk threshold. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it's jerk off Jerry. And if we look at jerk off Jerry's hit (gasps) points now, Mm -hmm. jerk off Jerry has zero hit points because oh. Jerkoff Jerry is disgusting. Wow. So, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so well. <laughs> oh, no. He turns into a cloud of cum. Oh, So, yeah. Here's the thing. I did assign these hit point values uh, before mm-hmm. this arc uh, for jerk off Jerry. Um, so perhaps, you know, if he had survived this arc, I would go, well, this character has gotten a lot of development and isn't simply jerk off jokes. Mm-hmm. But when I created these rules, that's what he was. And I do Fair have enough. to respect that. Mm. Johnny, please describe to me God, how jerk off Jerry dies. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Well, so when it gets to when when people are at zero hit points, they can take one hit and they're out. There are plenty of characters who are like that. Mm-hmm. Um for instance, Timmy the Lips uh mm-hmm. takes one hit and he's gone because there's not much to Timmy. Yeah. <sighs> Is okay. So I failed, so I didn't even free one person. So not exactly. I think failing on this check means that. A small number of the crew is free, which is going to make the fighting to survive role much, much harder. I th- Then I think Jerry goes out saving one last person. He's like mm-hmm. ripping through the vines. And I think, you know, this maybe this person is like by um, a porthole or something. So he, Jerry's like down, not looking out the window. Other people are like fighting with these creatures and Jerry is like rips off the last of the vines wakes the person up says we gotta fight and then a a creature and I think it's gotta be a a snake or some other penis type creature (laughs) (laughs) it's like one of the big worms from King Kong Skull Island (laughs) yeah I was gonna say is this like uh, sort of like anaconda the movie (gasps) size like big snake we're talking it eats me like it eats uh, who the hell John Voight I I kind of like the idea that it like eats you arm first like jerk up Jerry's like that's my jerking off arm Uh, that's devastating yes that's exactly what happens Uh (laughs) it's okay I can learn to use the other one and persevere and then another snake bites the other one off that's fine God gave me ten toes for a reason another snake grabs each leg (laughs) <laughs> this is a very like final destination like <laughs> I mean the other thing that I like it about it is it's like Christ imagery too which feels so wrong it feels so wrong <laughs> if you're gonna take my arms and legs take my penis too and then one last snake bites him on the dick like snakes on a plane <laughs> and, he, and he dies uh. Dies in slow motion. Like the the snake nods at him somberly, but right before he goes in for the day, uh, falls off the ship. <laughs> like uh, no arms. Like uh, what would be his arms and legs sprawled out, but they're snakes just falling back. And then, and then and the then, final snake, yes. w- w- like whipping in the air. <laughs> from hogs he came. From hogs he will return. To hogs he will return. Mm-hmm. That oh, is the boy. ballad of jerk off. Ashes to ashes, nuts to nuts. Dicks to dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm 
Campaign what Skyjacks. A, Campaign Skyjacks. What a delight. What a true delight. Hell so yeah. wow. the issue with not getting successes out of the waking up role is currently the force protecting the Uhuru is much smaller. And therefore, the challenge that you have to fend off of these fend off these beasts is much greater. Mm-hmm. So it's still going to be a daunting role okay. at this point. Real quick, out of game, can we commission Arnie to make a ballad of Jerk Off Jerry song? Oh, oh yeah, gosh. bud. It can be short, yeah. It's It's got to be so sweet. <laughs> uh, I, I really love the idea of... Um, oh, shit. Um, <clears throat> Hi, everyone. It's Allie. Your interim editor for Skyjacks. Uh, spoiler bot is still missing. Um, spoiler bot would be talking here if spoiler bot was here. I haven't found him yet. Uh, apparently, somebody spotted spoiler bot on a beach somewhere. Again, if you have any information about missing spoiler bot, please contact us on Twitter. I'm so sorry. I was I was trying to finish this without having to spoiler bot again, but here we are. Um, anyway. Enjoy the last few minutes of the episode. Bye. I'm trying to picture this Arnie song, and I kind of feel like it's like one of those body like tunes that you would get in in a tavern that is like you know mm-hmm. with a lot of innuendos, mm. but it's a sad song, <laughs> a, <laughs> like a, a dirge, drinking dirge. Yeah, it's like a a, a like a jerk off based pun filled oh drinking dirge. Boy, <laughs> boy oh boy, Scotty We return to the Uhuru, this time on the top deck of the Uhuru, where we see the crew gathered round for a special uh, employee bonding experience that is being provided by the by the captain. All right, everybody. I, uh, I know we've not had one of these for a while, and I wanted to make sure that we had something uh, special uh, to, to give to everybody a moment of uh, uh seeing true wonder can bring a crew together you know what i mean so i wanted uh, to bring to you somebody who could show the uh, wide varieties of fantastic uh, animals and uh, mythical beasts within sphere um and i i looked through uh, my uh, my yellow tome of uh, all the the people who were various beast masters in the region mm-hmm. and uh, i'm delighted to introduce to you um uh, and uh, Oromar kind of like looks down at his hands. There is smeared ink and is struggling to read it. Uh, a sh- a, sh- a shmeeve, uh, shmeeve Berwin. Was that was that it? Did I get that right? Shmeeve. Hello. I'm. It's Sheev Irwin. <laughs> I am here to show you all of the animals that I've collected across the galaxy. Intense. Uh, There's a smattering so, <laughs> of applause from the crew. Uh, Yay. Hey, um, Yay. I, so, are, what is your occupation, or are, do you just did you just you just have these? I just. What do you? What? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and yes, I have an occupation, and also I have these. <laughs> um, John, it, John, it looks to the captain. Maybe gives like a little bit of shoulder. What? What's co- what? Uh, Oromar smiles and gives like two thumbs up and nods enthusiastically. <laughs> okay. First up, uh, these animals are native to China, and I have uh, more than I can count. Please uh, help me welcome unlimited pandas. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a crate, and these gigantic animals like spill and flop out. Oh my God, these are so endangered. Why do you have so many? They're not endangered anymore. I've grown them in tubes. Every voice you've ever heard in your life has been a panda. They grow. They fall out of the crate. They roll across the floor. They fall out of an open window. <laughs> that continues. Continues. Speaking of crate. A great dragon! 
Oh, well, I mean, it's very um, stiff, a bit wooden, maybe. But uh... this this looks like it's just a big cave. Yeah, well, go in there and scream and see. Anyway, uh, here, kid, here's a lizard. I'll watch your chameleon with great interest. Uh, oh, wow, this is this is actually kind of cool. It's changing color. It's like the 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 hue of my hand. Nice. Wait, where'd you go? Did did you drop it? <laughs> Oh, oh no! Oh no! As soon as it changed color, I can't feel it. Um, uh, right. there is a Nobody lizard panic. now. So... I'm sure we'll be able to find it underneath all of these pandas. Is this an invasive species? Well, you've never had one on your hand natively, so I guess I don't look. I have a job, and I have these animals. These animals are not my job. I don't know anything about them. Could you? Tell me something about this jar of lightning bugs that you <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the 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 they've um the the these lightning bugs the the attack of these lightning bugs has left me disfigured. I don't know. <laughs> I see. see you, you've like, you've captured Pokemon. So hard, and he's just, you, you found some. You found some Vika Volts and you shoved them in a jar, and now you're peddling <laughs> them around as uh, an exotic animal. Well, I'll tell you, I have a completed Pokedex, mate. You don't need. You can't fool me. I've found, I've seen these kind of things before. Gonna have to come with. Some I don't know how many times I have to tell you all. I don't know anything about these animals. <laughs> I just have them. Do you? Do you, do you have do any you? big cats? Big. Um. Well. I don't know what you're setting me up for, but I do have a Nexu beast. That's the big cat from Attack of the Clones that scratches, uh, that makes the outfit sexy. You know? You remember when she's wearing a not sexy outfit and then she gets strategically scratched? Oh. And it's oh. sexy? So I'm going to try and set you up again. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Here are my birds, a grand aviary of the Republic. <laughs> so... I'm gonna see which way you go with this. Uh, so you have? Do you have family? Which and remember, you've got two different names that you can choose from okay. as, as a starting place. Do you have any family? What are your relationships like? I don't know what you're setting me up for, but I have. I have them. fucked. <laughs> we well, do know this. <laughs> you're telling me. Uh, <laughs> Because it could either be like, oh, I've got two lovely children who will follow in my stead after I pass away, or I have a granddaughter. Well, you want to see anything else? I don't know what you're setting me up for. I didn't. I was. It wasn't. It was just a general setup because you are so hard in this character, and you could keep on going, but I wanted to participate. Look, part of my grand aviary of the Republic are the birds of Ray. <laughs> There, there are still pandas falling no, out of this birds crate. Look, look, I'm just going to line up for the stylist big cat to get my outfit tactically slashed. So I'm the stylist hotter. big cat? Yeah, yeah the one yeah, that slashes it, it, clothes it, it, and makes you more stylish is what you said. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Bumblerina. Oh, it, it's just that, you know, uh, there's been, there's been a, a severe deficiency of uh, people drawing me in an incredibly sexy manner as of late. So I wanted to uh, uh, give <laughs> yeah. the fans a little. And we, we, we kind of zoom out and fade on the crew of the Uhuru all lining up to get slashed by the Nexu Ooh. to come out to be mauled into a more stylish version of their outfit. Did somebody say mauled? <laughs> Scene. <laughs> all right, listener, you tell us what you think that was. I will eventually watch a Star War, but you, you can't make me. <laughs> And the clo the closest the closest one um gets uh well, you're on the show you're on the show oh that pants if you got it close I, I need to know mm, now I'm no. so oh gosh I'm no so... it was just kind of a combination okay. I loved it I <laughs> loved <laughs> campaign skyjacks is a one shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku app. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore 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 or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, 
who can be found on Twitter at Johnny in Briefs or on his podcast, Bill Buds. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT or streaming at twitch.tv slash The Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com.